and welcome to mini episode 220 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last one comes from the 17th of October 2022 and story number one comes from Robin. For context, my sister and I are twins and I think those twin telepathy stories might have a bit of truth. Besides finishing each other's sentences and all that, we will occasionally have the same reoccurring dream. We are both three or four and waiting in a car which I've never seen before, and our mom goes into a house, which I've also never seen before, to grab something. As soon as she closes the door to this house, the car starts rolling out of the driveway. My sister and I panic, and I start trying to control the steering wheel to no avail. As we pull into the street, I see an intersection just down the road. The car turns and starts heading towards that intersection. I know this is the silly bit of the dream the car controls itself, while my sister and I are hysterical. This is where the main difference in my sister's dream and mine is. In mine, we barrel towards the intersection and then I wake up. In hers, though, she is above the car, but still knows what is happening inside. She sees the car speed into the intersection and sees the car swerve. She wakes right as our car crashes into others. There are other details that differ, like me seeing the stream in black and white, while she sees it in that brownish colour that old western photos are in. The strange thing is, we both stopped having the dream at around the same time, when we were seven. We never spoke to each other about the dream until several years later, so I doubt my recollection of the events influenced hers. I was on a reincarnation kick as a teen, so I went looking for stories matching that dream, but I couldn't find anything. I'm sorry if this wasn't as spooky as some of your other stories, I just thought it was creepy. I don't have many other scary events, although when I was a kid I used to tell my mother I was playing with her dead cousin and I told her I saw her dead aunt in my closet. I'm trying to get my mom to submit her scary story because she lived in a definitely haunted house when she was a teenager. My mom is just a spooky person all round and I'm trying to get her to cleanse the house again because I've been hearing lots of footsteps and breathing around the house. I guess it's that time of year. I'm just I'm going to say this as a general thing to say to the podcast because lots of people do this and there is absolutely no need for it. Never apologize for your story not being spooky enough or what you perceive to not be spooky enough. Stories don't have to necessarily be terrifyingly scary. They are often just oddities, they're weird coincidences, they're haunted house stories, whatever they are. Your story is as valid as your story is you know it's as valid as everybody else's and people apologize for their stories all the time and they say oh I'm sorry that my story wasn't scary enough or another thing they apologize for the length of their story or they apologize for not spelling things correctly and listen none of those things are things that anybody needs to be apologizing for none of them whatsoever so teacherly lecture over being womb mates with somebody must it must do something right it I mean I just find twins fascinating. Like, I, I really do believe twins when they say, oh, you know, we finished other sentences. I mean, that makes sense, right? You spend all your time together. Look at the silent twins from way back in the beginning of the podcast. Like, they invented their own twin language, which is a phenomenon among twins. Twins do that all the time. That bond of being, sharing a womb with somebody and growing up together, it, it must be incredible and I I firmly believe twins when they say oh we we share dreams or we feel each other's pain or whatever I don't know how it works I don't know what it means but I firmly believe it and I wonder if that dream only happened at like certain times in your life was it a stress dream or was it just a random dream that you would have every now and then 
I know it's hard to discern that now as an adult because as you said the dream stopped when you guys were both seven but like if if it was a stress dream it's really interesting that you both had the same stress dream just from different perspectives and I think it's really interesting that you looked up the perspective of past lives and whether or not this was something that had happened to you both previously because I just wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of that but it sort of makes sense that you're seeing this event that has apparently never happened to you but you're both seeing it I'm pretty sure at some point I did a Patreon episode about weird twin stories. I'm going to have to look into it, but I'm pretty sure I did. And story number two comes from Umbrella. I lived in a small mid-century home with my parents and two younger siblings when I was younger. At first it was okay for a while and I was little so I don't remember much. But I do remember never wanting to sleep in my room because it had such a weird energy. As well as that, the living room was terrifying and I could never bring myself to go in without the company of a parent. I also hated being alone in rooms. My parents could be in the kitchen and I would be sitting in my room doing whatever the heck my six-year-old self would do at that time and suddenly I would get a weird rush of adrenaline as if I was prey getting stalked by a predator and I was really on edge. This became particularly difficult to deal with at night. And what I find weird is that every time I sensed something in my room while I was trying to sleep, I would get up, announce to my supposedly empty room that I was going to get a drink or go to the toilet, and that I would come back. As if I was implying to whatever was there not to follow me because I would return shortly. Then I would run out of the room and go to my parents' room and sleep there instead. Maybe the reason I did that was because at that point the energy didn't really feel menacing, just a little bit odd and my young mind probably didn't want to hurt its feelings. One night, something kept grabbing at my feet, and I remember my big toe being squeezed three very specific times. After that, I started sleeping in my bedroom doorway into the hallway on the floor with a blanket because I felt so scared going deeper into the darkness to sleep in my bed. I got a nightlight, but that never helped, and I stayed on the floor. Another night as I was reading in the hallway, I looked up and saw a tall man's neck and head poking up from a bush outside. His face was pale and he had no features. No eyes, no mouth, no nose, but from what I can remember he did have hair. And you know what I fucking did? I literally waved at this creature and then calmly got up and left to my parents' room. I remember the reason I did this so steadily is that I thought in my head that if I made a sudden movement or showed it that I was scared, then it would either A, come back the next night and keep looking for a reaction, or B, try to murder me. And I know this wasn't a dream because I woke in my parents' bed the next morning and have no history of sleepwalking. I ended up sleeping in my parents' bed for a few months straight, only entering my room in the daytime. It was at this time that I saw a little girl that did not resemble either of my sisters at all on the floor of my parents' room, sitting on her legs and staring down at her upturned palms. I would also constantly have bad dreams about this room. In them, I would be doing something like packing boxes or moving crates and suddenly get this overwhelming fear and I would curl up and just scream until I woke up. Come to think of it, the only reason I slept in that room was because I had the company of my parents. My mum recently told me that she used to see shadow people on the roof and my dad said he woke up on one of the first nights in that room to her telling him that there were moving people on the ceiling. I got older 
and I read somewhere that the energy of an adolescent can affect the energy of a house. When I was around 12 or 13, things started to get really poltergeisty. I would be sitting in my room on my laptop or playing my guitar. I was sleeping in my room again, thank God. The hallway was giving me a rash for some reason and my parents' room was somewhere I didn't want to be anymore, especially because it felt so off. My door was locked, mind you, and I would see it violently burst open with such force that somehow, unless it can turn doorknobs, I just don't think it was the wind. My window was always closed and they were nowhere near my door and other windows and doors in the house weren't at the right angle for opening a locked door. This happened multiple times, all while my parents and siblings were either outside or out at the shops or somewhere. At this point, I kind of felt familiar with whatever was doing this and just let it keep doing whatever. The energy kind of started feeling darker then, with the atmosphere feeling fine one second and as if an entity had walked into my room, the feeling would immediately change and it was making me literally curl up into a ball on the floor trying to make myself feel as small as I could so I wouldn't be seen. This was a time when my self-esteem was very low and I wonder now if my negative feelings were affecting the balance of good and bad energy. I would often wake up randomly to hear knocking on my walls late at night, often in a pattern of three or four, sometimes even in a way that people knock on doors. At some point I just got really sick of it because I was getting bad sleep and I lost my shit and went crying and raged my parents, took them into my room and told them that something in there was bothering me. They were a little creeped out. I told them I wanted it to go away and it did. After that conversation with my parents, it must have heard me and left. And I felt bad for making it leave, but it's for the best, I guess. Don't feel bad for making it leave. Okay, if something is impacting you that negatively, that you are literally curled up in a ball trying to make yourself as small as possible and not being able to sleep, then that thing should not be in your life, regardless of what it is and regardless of what its intentions were. And a sustained lack of sleep is a really horrible experience and probably only going to add to the energy of the house, that negative energy. And maybe having that conversation with your parents, maybe rather than it hearing you, Maybe the energy changed, maybe your energy changed and maybe all of a sudden it didn't have what it needed to be negative anymore. I do think it's wild that these things are often linked to teenage girls and you know as somebody who at one point in her life was a teenage girl and had all of the puberty horror and the horror of hormones and mood swings it doesn't surprise me at all that these things are meant to be attached to teenage girls. I think teenage girls are just bundles of wild energy for sure check you out by the way waving at the man the man's head emerging from the bush Uh, like that is so horrific that sounds absolutely traumatic but I just I just I love child logic where it's like this horrible thing is happening I I know what I'll do I'll wave because if I don't wave then it might murder me and if I make any sudden movements it might murder me or look for more attention so I'm just gonna wave just gonna and in in a sort of a weird way that makes perfect sense and I understand (laughs) why you would do it I feel really sad that you had to go through all of this and all the sleeplessness and those horrible feelings of having an entity kind of just appear by your side and something grabbing your toe at night time I'm really sorry you had to go through all that but I'm really glad that when you had that conversation with your parents whatever whatever that changed it changed and the experience stopped 
And story number three comes from Cheryl. When I was 13, I had my first experience with the paranormal. I found it only slightly creepy, but my friend Harper was absolutely terrified when I tried to tell her about it. She burst into tears before I finished describing what I saw. She had her reasons. Harper's older sister Vicky died in a car accident only a few months before Harper was born. I can't even begin to imagine the trauma Harper's mom experienced losing her eldest daughter while preparing for the birth of her youngest. That is a horror story all on its own. Vicky was a beauty. People still talk about her decades later. She was a 17-year-old wild child, headstrong and free-spirited. She was bold and confident with a dare-me attitude in every long-legged, carefree step. Of course I'm only telling you what I've heard since she died while I was only a baby, but I know the rumours of her legendary beauty were 100% true. Her senior portrait hung above the family's piano, and I would stare at it while Harper and I took turns banging out chopsticks on the keyboard. She was breathtaking, with thick, dark, shiny, middle-parted hair, hanging well past her collarbones. Apparently, when Harper was born, her brother and sister were convinced that Vicky's spirit was reborn into their new sister's tiny body. They were sure of it, and as Harper grew, they became more certain. Harper and Vicky were nearly identical in looks, both tall, lean and stunning. Harper lacked the free-spirited confidence of her lost sister and had a cautious nature, but her siblings thought that was because Vicky had learned from her accident to be more careful this time round. Harper suffered inexplicable back pain throughout her childhood. Her mother blamed her posture, but took her to an orthopedist to rule out something serious. The doctor felt along Harper's spine and ordered x-rays. He asked whether Harper had been in a car accident because her spine and back muscles showed signs of trauma. Harper's mom was shaken but assured the doctor Harper never experienced anything traumatic. He wrote it up as scoliosis or curvature of the spine for lack of a better diagnosis. As a teenager, Harper's sister Gina moved into Vicky's old room. She stayed up later than most of the family and swore that she could hear footsteps coming up the hall after everyone else was in bed. The footsteps would enter the bathroom and she would hear someone moving around in there, running water and making clinking sounds. She said it sounded like someone getting ready for bed. Gina would lie in bed, petrified as the footsteps continued towards her bedroom door. She was always terrified of what she would see, but the footsteps always stopped at her door and she never saw who they belonged to. She always believed it was Vicky coming home from a night out and going through her nighttime routine. Gina moved out at a very early age to live with her boyfriend, leaving the room unoccupied until Harper moved in at age 12. Harper was my best friend. We were inseparable and took turns having sleepovers at one another's houses every weekend. One Friday night, shortly after Harper had switched rooms, I spent the night with her. The next morning, we were alone in her house while her parents went out to run errands. I was standing in front of the mirror, putting extra care into my appearance because a new boy had moved into the neighbourhood and we were planning to casually stroll by his home, hoping he would notice us. I was attempting to braid my own hair when I saw in the mirror Harper walk right behind me, close enough to touch. I asked her to hand me a hairbrush that was lying on the bedside table that she appeared to be headed towards, but she didn't look up or even acknowledge she had heard me. I asked again, this time turning away from the mirror towards her. 
No one was there. I was so confused. How did she leave the room so quickly? She was headed into the room, not out of it. I called out to see if somehow she had stepped outside the room without me noticing, and she answered from the other side of the house. Just the tone of my voice scared her so badly, she burst into tears and refused to go back into her room for the rest of the day. That was four decades ago, and I've experienced many supernatural occurrences, but this was my first. I never saw Vicky again after this time, and neither to my knowledge has Harper. For a while I tried to convince myself I imagined seeing her, but now I've stopped trying to explain it all away. I've come to accept that we don't have all the answers, and there are just some things that we can't really understand. Oh, that story has given me the shivers. And you know what, Cheryl, I think you're completely right. I think at some point you just... You can bend over backwards trying to find answers for things and trying to find explanations and trying to find definitives when actually sometimes it's okay to just go, I don't know what just happened. I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened, but I'm just going to accept that it happened and I'm going to move on because sometimes I think that's sort of better for your own mindset as well. And you do sort of think, you know, if I was a 17-year-old ghost, you know, if I was a 17-year-old girl who was full of life and gregarious and confident and then your life is so tragically cut short, so suddenly, so unexpectedly, of course you'd want to come back to your bedroom and do your nightly routine and do normal things. Of course you'd want to come back and be like, no, I'm actually, I'm actually okay. I'm, I'm okay. And see your family and be there to watch your siblings grow up. It must be incredibly difficult to have a sibling who grows up to look really similar to the sibling that you've lost. I mean, it must be really comforting on one hand and I like the way Harper's siblings sort of said it was it was like Vicky was was born again into Harper because that must have been really comforting for them. Someone I know died a couple of years ago and she has a sister who is, they're not twins, but she is like an identical twin and every time I see her, my heart drops out of my body. I get such a fright every time I see her. Uh, which is a very, it's a very strange feeling. So I can't even imagine what that must be like for siblings and parents. Oh, that story has given me the heebie-jeebies. I'm not entirely sure why it's shook me up so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Robin, Umbrella and Cheryl for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 17th of October, 2022. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. If you are desperate for extra content, you can subscribe to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month and $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.